Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 71. Today, I'll be interviewing Dana Hall. Dana Hall is a licensed clinical professional counselor. Her job is to help people find their voice. When she found out her son was diagnosed with childhood apraxia of speech and faced a very real probability that he would never be able to verbally communicate, she felt lost. She's the author of the picture book, Beyond Words, which we'll be discussing today. And she's also the author of many other books that she's also going to be talking about as well. Um, that are all on her website, which is DanaHallTherapy.com. So if you want to learn more about her and her books, definitely check it out. We're also going to be talking about a resource for the book as well, which is available through her website. Um, So thank you so much for being here today, Dana. I'm really excited to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. I appreciate the opportunity. So. Well, the first thing I wanted to ask you was just about yourself and your background um, and, and maybe more into like the second question, just about your path to becoming a writer. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So it's an interesting path. Um, I, my clinical side is in uh, psychotherapy. So I have a degree in psychology and I've been a practicing psychotherapist for over two decades now. Um, I love the clinical side, the research and mentorships. Um, And so being a clinical therapist, I hear a lot of stories and that really draws me into the importance of narrative. So in the clinical work, helping my clients in particular with trauma, relational issues, chronic illness management, things of that nature, it's so important to me to hear where they're coming from and how their symptoms and how their story has manifested. So I've always been really passionate about that. In terms of my hobbies, I've always written in a journal, right? I know a lot of us probably do that. And it's a nice way to process emotions. It's a nice way to just kind of take our internal world and externalize it. So I encourage my clients to do that, and I do it as well. So story has always been an important part of my life and making sense of my experiences and helping my clients make sense of theirs. So um, I guess it's always been there to some degree. So my path to writing really was organic in that I always wrote, but I never published um, my work until my son was diagnosed with apraxia. And it's interesting because his finding his voice essentially gave me the courage to find mine as a writer and a storyteller and take the therapeutic work that I do and also tie that into some of my writing to give my clients a voice. Um, So the paths kind of came together And the first piece of that was this book, Beyond Words, that is essentially my son's story through pictures and through a poem. So the path kind of came together and I'm grateful to 
his journey because it's inspired mine and hopefully will inspire others to continue to share their narratives so that we can collectively learn from each other. And just a question I had, was that something like, did you write before and then, um, and then kind of thought afterwards, like you'd like to make it into a book or was that something that you kind of just thought you just did like, like in writing the book? Right. So I'm glad that you, you brought that up. So it's, it's interesting. I, had an experience with my son. He was diagnosed with apraxia of speech, which is a condition where some individuals with apraxia never have the ability to verbalize. Um, My son, fortunately, is about 75% um, verbal at this point, and he's seven years old. But when he was about four, it was that crunch time where we're looking at school. We're looking at kindergarten. (laughs) We're looking at that moment where my little bird is about to fly the nest a little bit. And with kids who have, um, especially the language or communication disorders, uh, parents are often very cautious about that time in their life because we can't protect them, you know, in that sense. How will they communicate their needs to others if we're not there? So my son was on the verge of that. And the summer before, we were going to the park all the time because he was in speech so much, he didn't have the opportunity to partake in a lot of extracurricular activities outside of that with speech three days a week. Uh, He was in OT as well uh, and PT. So we were going to the park and I was just hoping for him to make some friendships, right? Connect at the park, give him that confidence going into the school year. And beyond words came from a day at the park. Um, I went home and I wrote in my journal my experience at the park that day. And I wrote it kind of in this poetic form, just this kind of venting. Um, And what I wrote in my journal, exactly what I wrote in that journal that day, is what turned into the poem behind Beyond Words, which is the text that go along with the beautiful illustrations in that book. Yeah. Wow. So what was the process in bringing that book to life as far as the illustration and the illustrations go? And just, I think also the the character development as far as like choosing um, how you wanted to portray, like, I don't know if your son, like, cause I, I've seen like the video on there, but like, as far as like what your thought process was in illustrating that story. Yeah. So when I wrote the poem, it, it, it was an event where he wasn't seemingly included in play with other children. And, and then he wasn't, right? So he was up until a point, which happens very often with kids with apraxia or other special needs, where there's this inclusivity, but then there's this limitation on it. Um, And so we had one of those events where he was playing and then he wasn't involved anymore. And I had found him crying underneath one of the slides at the park. And when I wrote the poem, it was about Um, wanting for my son to be able to be seen in the way that he feels most comfortable and not having to pretend to be someone else to create friendships. So when I wrote that, um, I shared it with a few people and they were like, this is not just an apraxia story. It is a story that kids 
just need to hear and not just kids that have divergence or difference or are neurally diverse. It's a story for all of us. And when I started to look at it through that lens, because for so long, I feel like I was looking myopically at my son and his condition, trying to get him the best supports possible. But when I shared it with a couple of my friends, they were like, Dana, this is really a story about, you know, connection and inclusivity and acceptance across the board. And so that was my motivation in terms of depicting it through images was that it should show inclusivity, acceptance, and kindness for all children. And so some of the illustrations, which I'm really proud that we were able to get into the book, you see children in wheelchairs. You see them using assisted technology devices. You see sign language being used. You see ethnic and racial diversity. You see these elements because I feel so strongly that we need to have resources that depict our children as they are, not as if we need to whitewash or um, pretend as if divergence or difference doesn't exist. It does, and it's beautiful. Not that my son doesn't have struggles, um, but that he's exactly who he's meant to be. And I wanted for anyone to pick it up and be able to feel that, to feel seen, for the parent to feel seen and for the child to feel seen, and for children in general um, to welcome all, all peers with this curiosity and openness for what they can build together. So I partnered with um, an illustrator who understood that messaging. And Shruti is on my website and is a wonderful illustrator that was so kind. My son is a wonderful artist. Um, and he drew um, the lava monster that's in the book. So it was really cool to have um, him be a part of narrating his story through imagery. Um, so some of the images in there, he was able to also draw. So that was part of our inspiration too, is not only this inclusivity, kindness, acceptance, but also to depict children as they are and illustrate the beauty of their inner world. And also, I just think it's a great message to just talk about how, you know, I always say to parents, um, you know, and any of the staff that, you know, I'm working with, I'm training with, as far as like a total communication approach, that we don't just communicate with speech. It's actually like a small part of how we communicate. <laughs> and how we communicate is just through our expression, through our, like our gestures. And if we're using sign language or we're using our body language, any sort of way to communicate. And so... That's really important. And I think your, you know, your book also embraces that um, because there's just so many different ways to communicate because you could even just look at somebody and tell how they feel. So, yeah. yeah. And that, it, that's an interesting point because in the support groups that I'm in with other parents who have children with apraxia, um, some new parents will say things like, I don't know how, I'm, I don't know how, how others will connect with my son or daughter. And what I always go back to is we have, as a mom, as a dad, as significant figures in their life, we know what they are saying without their words. And that's part of the movement that I want us to really embrace with Beyond Words is that exactly what you're saying. We are communicating all the time. And it's so limiting to think that, that words are the only means by which someone can illustrate who they are in their personhood. You know, um, 
and to step back and to listen with our, in our book, we talk about listen with your senses, listen with your heart, observe and engage and use those pieces of mindfulness to build relationships because it's been a beautiful gift that I've been able to connect with my son beyond his words. That's a beautiful moment for parents. And we all have that. And I don't want parents of children who have language challenges to forget that, that they are already connecting and that their love, patience, and advocacy are exactly what's needed for their child to get the best results. But their child is already whole, right? Um, This is not a person deficit. This is they are completely who they're meant to be. And there are beautiful supports out there that can change their life to help others to connect with them in other ways, like through words. Um, Our speech pathologists in in our life have been just game changers. They have been some of the most compassionate, um, well-educated, research-based interventionists. And they have allowed for my son to be able to, to connect with his words, which we never thought was going to be possible. So always to have hope, but never to feel as though if your child doesn't verbally communicate, that that is a deficit. It will be a challenge in some arenas, but that we have to believe in the power of who they are as a person will come through and they're exactly who they're meant to be. So I try to balance that out as a parent, you know, because it's a difficult struggle to watch your child have those challenges, especially early on, which manifests in a and for most, some behavioral issues, which can be misdiagnosed um, when... Exactly, exactly. I see that a lot. Exactly. And most of the time, it's just communication-based. Because even if somebody could verbalize, they may not be able to verbalize everything they need to be able to communicate, um, yeah. where they could maybe verbalize their wants, and their needs, but they're able to tell you how they feel. They're able to tell you what happened earlier that day. Are they able to ask you questions? You know, that's kind of the, that's the kind of questions I ask um, parents or, or staff that I'm working with. So I just feel like it's just such an amazing message because I think that it's also the kids need to feel, kids need to feel accepted. Um, and the last thing that I think also, you know, children with apraxia from my experience is that they don't need pressure, um, as far as like being able to, if, if they're communicating that, then we have to accept that. So that's one thing that, you know, just working, um, with children and adults with complex communication needs is when they're expressing that I'm like, okay, yeah, you did tell me that, um, not making them do it twice. Mm So, um, I, I just think it's a really, just great message and really good resource for parents. Um, so I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about the resource on your website that's available for the book. Yeah. So alongside with the book, um, I've been invited to read the book to, um, preschools and kindergartens and, um, virtually because we're still in a virtual world. Um, but so in reading that, the, the educators um, were asking for additional resources because the students were wanting to lean into some of these concepts, right? So we illustrate acceptance and kindness, and the teachers were like, well, what can we do to live this every day? They were asking, you know, and the students are coming up with some things, 
But I thought, why not have like a guidepost that really follows the social emotional education standards generally? Um, I'm in the state of Illinois, so I based it on Illinois state standards for social emotional education, but early childhood development standards are pretty standard across the board. And so what the resource is, is a little mini workbook right now that's in the works to become a full um, resource. And those workbook pages are offered um, as a free resource on my website. And for example, one of them is like a kindness challenge. There's an illustration in the book about slaying a dragon. And so it, one of the workbook pages is a classroom project to earn your badges or your shields as you're slaying the dragon and being mindful of your kindness and inclusivity with others. When did you include another classmate? And what does that look like? Having them illustrate examples of kindness in their everyday. Um, so there's a couple pages where it's frames and it asks a child to illustrate what it looks like to be kind um, and to be able to talk about that if they can. So these workbooks take in consideration that some children will draw, some, some children will communicate verbally, um, some children will act it out. And all of that is acceptable and all of that is wonderful and we can embrace that all. So the workbook gives additional resources to live out those values of um, inclusivity in the classroom, which is kind of a fun way to um, make everybody feel um, like they're a part of this. So there's one workbook page that teaches some sign language that's very classroom-based. Um, you know, and I know when my, it was important because when my son was starting school, um, preschool, he was nonverbal and he went to like a park district program. And one of the teachers, um, asked me if we could put together one of the children's songs in sign language and have my son teach it. In that moment, I just saw him come alive when he used to just sit back and all the other kids would be singing like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. He'd be acting out. He might take something out without permission. He's playing with something. And um, I would think, oh, no, is this like a behavioral issue? You know, he's not doing what's directed. But he couldn't sing, so he stopped engaging. And what this educator did was say, let's incorporate the signs and sing as well. And so my son felt a, a significant position of leadership too, to be able to teach this. So the workbook models some of those things that we have found to be effective um, and teaching from the perspective of inclusivity and including how, how all of us um, communicate in the teaching. So really looking at um, differentiation in our instruction. Um, so yeah. it's mm -hmm. kind of fun. It's, and I'm working with a special education, um, teacher as well as a few speech pathologists and myself as a psychotherapist to kind of put together these resources that can fit into the classroom in a nice kind of easy way and can also be done virtually since we're still in that modality right now for most schools, which is exceedingly difficult for those of us that have communication disorders to pretty much only rely on a camera in front of us. We are kind of limited, especially if we're using assistive technology or even sign language. Um, 
It's just making so, their, their devices loud enough. <laughs> that's my right. biggest. <laughs> when they when their talkers are too low, that's the time I can't hear them. But um, but yeah, no, I I agree, and I also reminds me of just like universal design of learning when mm-hmm. you're talking about it because you know I think that we all need. Different. I think that's kind of across the board. I think it's one of those things that I discuss, like, you know, as I teach graduate classes as well um, to teachers. And, you know, we t- I talk a lot about that just all of us as learners need access to, um, you know, check for understanding to be able to kind of communicate what we understand and what, you know, it, that, that not all of us are able to like, um, we're talking about like a project and how, you know, it, it, it's, we don't have to just do it one way. Maybe one person could create a video about what they, on how they understood it. One person could create a song. One person could write a report or one person could do, let's say a slideshow. And I think that what we need to do is kind of think about, about that for everybody. Cause I feel like all of us would benefit from a, that kind of differentiated individualized type of, you know, thinking about how we learn. Um, so I just think that's, I think that's a great way to, um, to create your resource. Cause I think kids need to learn like how they want to express that. Cause some, you know, want to be artistic about it. Some want to write something about it. Um, you just writing your book was your creative way of expressing it. So I just feel like it's like, it's just like one of those great life lessons that, um, that everyone could benefit from. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's really about looking at what it is in terms of the content that you're trying to teach. So if it's, for instance, in preschool, if it's the recognition of their alphabet and one of the lessons in one environment my son was in was that he had to, the class had to stand up and say their alphabet in front of everybody two times through. Well, it doesn't matter how much my son practices that it's not going to happen. It's still not going to happen at seven years old. So um, that kind of expectation, I go back to, well, what is the purpose of the lesson? If the purpose of the lesson is on pronunciation and articulation, and um, then okay, but I'm not quite certain that's what the lesson is about. If it's about correctly identifying the alphabet, can he do that by doing his alphabet in sign language, by bringing up the letters and modeling the letters across the board, by writing them? So the expectation that he has to verbally communicate his alphabet two times through with a very severe diagnosis of apraxia, um, it just isn't going to happen. It doesn't matter um, how much he practices, right? Um, so I love that angle of like stepping back and looking at what is it that that backwards design? What is it that you want this child to learn? And then what are the modalities that would best suit or maybe menu items to give a child to be able to perform and to, to show you that they have mastered that content? It doesn't always have to be verbal. We don't realize how much we rely on just verbal communication as that modality. But as we've said, it's really a small part of how we communicate with each other. But in the educational setting, we really traditionally have put a large emphasis on something that is not the sole modality of being able to express ourselves. So I love what you're saying in in dipping into the creative side of things. Um, And I think that's so enriching and it diversifies education and we learn so much more from each other when we see these other forms of illustration. Um, and, and that's just good education across the board. 
Yeah, I I agree. So I'd love for you to talk um, a little bit more about the other books that you've authored or co-authored, um, just so people learn more about it. Because I think a lot of your books relate to this, you know, overall, you know, your overall mission of inclusion and acceptance and kindness. Yeah. So I have a few books that were released recently. Um, we All Belong, Musings on Inclusion, Acceptance, and Kindness. And that book really talks about, um, it, I love that one in particular because that one followed right after I wrote Beyond Words. And I want Beyond Words to be my son's story. I don't want to interject my mama bear, my, um, my journey, right? Which is significant to honor a parental journey when you have a child with um, a chronic severe language disorder, but it's not my story to tell. That's his. Um, We all belong. I was able to do a chapter on my story, essentially, um, of being a parent with a child that has special needs and what that looks like um, and how other parents essentially will talk with you about their milestones. And my child can't stop singing this song from this Disney movie. Oh, my gosh. You know, and us with children who have children with language disorders, we're kind of sitting there like, I don't even know what my son's favorite color is. Um, I I don't know what he dreams of. Um, When he's hurt, I don't know what hurts him. And so We All Belong is um, my opportunity to share a little bit of of what it's been like uh, for me as a parent on this journey with my son. Um, And there's other chapters uh, that speak more of inclusivity. There's Um, that address racial divide and um, other forms of exclusion and how the authors have overcome that or fighting to advocate for reform. So it's a beautiful book. It's called We All Belong. And links to these books are also on my website. Um, I was fortunate to tell another story in Made to Overcome, the Caregiver Edition. And I tell the story of my mom and my brother. My brother has severe traumatic brain injury due to an accident. And my mother, who's a senior citizen at this point, is his primary caregiver. And I tell her story of what it's like to be a caregiver behind the scenes. When after the accident, you have a lot of support. And then what happens years after as some of those support systems fade away and what it's like to do this kind of work purely for love and what it has cost. You know, it's a realistic look at what it means to be a caregiver. And all of us at some point will either be taking care of or be a caregiver. So um, it shares not only my mother's story, but it shares other stories on caregiving. And I feel like that's an important resource um, for all of us. And in particular, some support groups have picked it up to use it as a tool for their meetings as well. So I was very fortunate to be able to participate in that. Wow, that's that's amazing. So, I mean, I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I think that a lot of of people really, really benefit from reading your book, Beyond Words. I mean, I just think it's something I'm going to suggest to teachers. Um, I think it's just also, I mean, beyond, I think, preschool and kindergarten, I actually feel like it's really appropriate for elementary school as well. Um, first grade, second grade, third grade. 
um, just because I feel like it's like a complex topic. Mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, because picture books, just because kids start reading chapter books at a certain age um, doesn't mean that we can't appreciate picture books when, when our kids are older. I mean, I know as an adult, I love picture books. I never stop loving yeah. picture books. <laughs> so I don't know. To me, you're yeah. never too old to read a picture book. But I think the message is something that like every age can enjoy and benefit mm-hmm. from. Um, so thank you so much for today for, you know, discussing all of your work. And is there anything else that you want to talk about before we finish up? Um, I just want to piggyback off of what you said with picture books. It's intentionally a picture book so that any child can pick it up and tell the story, even without words. That was really important to me and my son that anyone could pick this up and be able to understand. And it shows some illustration of the struggle he was really sensitive about, there's a page in the book where it shows him crying. It shows him having frustration. And I asked him, are you okay with me putting that in there? And he said, yes, because people need to see that mommy, um, that I feel that way sometimes. And I think, you know, that's where the pictures come into play because I think we can all relate to some of those images. And his best friend in the book is his best friend in real life. His first friend And because of her, and that's a big thing, is that this is about inclusivity and the importance of advocacy. The little girl in the book just beautifully, organically connected with my son and is to this day his best friend. And the importance of people in our life that truly get us and take the time to know us. Um, And I feel like that is beyond anything. That was one of my biggest takeaways is the power that we can have in each other's lives to make a difference just by being present. So I thank you so much, Becca, for allowing me to share this with your listeners and to hopefully a greater audience that can connect. All the proceeds of this book will continue to go back into Apraxia Kids and will be donated. Um, This is truly a project that I want to live on. And I one day I hope for my son to take it on and to continue the mission of making sure that there's strong advocacy for all children, especially those that have communication disorders. Thank you so much. I mean, I actually just a little story is I, I saw this book on uh, social media and I immediately <laughs> I, I just immediately connected with it because as a speech pathologist, I just I was like, I need to have this book and I need to talk to Dana. So, <laughs> and especially the I bubbles. Know. I know every speech pathologist is like the bubbles because, you know, sometimes that's a way to soothe children. Sometimes with articulation disorders, it, it can help them form the lips to blow. My son couldn't blow a bubble um, until he was five years old. He couldn't blow out his own birthday candles. Um, so the bubble is significant. And also his name is Sean Michael. And for five years, he worked on being able to say his name. He would call himself Sean. It sounded like Sean Bubble. So that's kind of our inside joke is why Beyond Words has bubbles. Because for a long while, for five years, he couldn't say his own name. And it would come out like bubble. So it was kind of like a sweet nod to where we were and where we're going. Oh, well, thank you so much yeah. today. I, I loved our conversation. And for anyone listening, definitely check out uh, Dana's website, danahalltherapy.com. It'll also be in the post on my website. Um, and definitely check out her other books. So thank you for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language During Mealtime. 